good. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, please turn or press your finger to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we'll be looking at verse 13 in just a second. An extremely, extremely familiar passage of scripture with you this morning. Leah, I think... I think maybe we should move Children's Church to the front row of the auditorium because these gentlemen and ladies have been so well behaved. It's shocking. They've been singing. They didn't stand. They've been singing, participating. And even Alex told me that if I passed out, he would finish the message for me, right? <laughs> oh, he said the opposite. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I misheard you. I'm old. So... So this morning, um, we're going to read scripture, a very uh, familiar passage of scripture, and then we're going to watch three videos telling us about Operation Christmas Child. And I want you to pay close attention because there is a common thread in each specific video that I want us to uh, center or focus on this morning. So I want to see if you catch it, if you catch it this morning, okay? So... Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 13. Matthew writes, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled on by people. You are are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Sorry, I thought I was talking to her. I'm sorry. <sighs> a city on a hill cannot be hidden. People do not uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they may see your good deeds and give honor to your Father in heaven. Now join me in uh, watching the lives of these three special individuals. I love kids. I love to get up every morning and just come in knowing that my students need guidance each and every day. Good job putting that Usan in there. Isu. Isu. Okay. That will be the floor. All right. That as a teacher, we are not just teaching here academics, but also we are influencing them for, for the future, hopefully. Let's pack one for a little boy. Every year at Gorman Christian Academy, we pack shoeboxes. We have a big kickoff event. The kids love this ministry. Operation Christmas Child, they absolutely love children and they want to reach out to kids who have not heard the gospel, who do not have much, who live in poverty, sometimes not even their families are around. And just simply knowing that we can help them with a simple little shoebox means a lot. My childhood was difficult as I grew up in Romania, not having the freedom to worship, not having the freedom to speak, not having food sometimes to eat standing in very long lines for very simple food. We would get 12 eggs for a family of four for a month. Or we would get a pound of sugar for a family of four for a month. 
When the revolution broke out, we were at home hearing the gunshots that were going on in the middle of the town. One day my life started to change when my brother and I found a hidden Bible in our house. When we started reading that Bible and eventually starting to go to a secret church. And while we were going to the secret church, realizing that we had the same book at home and realizing really that the Bible was God's word. After the revolution in Romania, more freedom was available to us. People were able to come in the country to bring more aid. Operation Christmas Child was one of those organizations that came in and distributed shoeboxes. When I received my shoebox, that was the moment I understood that this God that I've been reading about in the Bible is truly a personal God who cares about each and every one of us. And then later on, I came to a better understanding that we need to receive Christ as our personal Savior and have a relationship with Him. One of the great joys was going back to Romania and distributing shoeboxes. When we were standing faced with children who were so expectant, and I could see myself in those eyes. And I know that they were thinking the same thing I was thinking, that I am receiving a gift and I haven't done anything for it. Looking back now, I can see God's hand as He was guiding me through it, how He orchestrated every single little detail in a way that I could be here today. I could be teaching in a Christian school, and that one box changed my life and allowed me to understand uh, God better, and I'm able to turn around and multiply that blessing by encouraging so many others to pack shoe boxes. Kids here in Panama are lonely and hopeless just like I was at my orphanage in Russia. Coming to Panama with Operation Christmas Child, I feel like I've come full circle. I got a shoebox gift when I was a little girl and it literally changed my life. That's why I'm here. I can share my testimony and the hope of God with them. My orphanage was in a small village in a poor area of Russia. We didn't have simple luxuries like windows that closed tightly or hot running water. Just the building itself was bleak and dreary. The workers tried making it lively and inviting with bright colored paint, yet no matter how many rainbows or sunshines they put up on the walls, um, we still knew that there was hope for others, but not for us. We never grew close, we never learned to love, we never learned to trust, but that is something that a shoebox, a simple gift like a shoebox gave me. It gave me trust and it gave me hope in people. I remember the day the missionaries came to my orphanage to deliver the boxes. We were so excited to have visitors. Opening the lid of that box was overwhelming. This box was packed full of items. Now as I look back, there's simple things like toothbrush and toothpaste that I don't even think about, you know? But back then, when I literally had nothing to call my own, each item meant a lot to me. Although what my heart remembers most is the picture of the kids that sent the shoebox. And that was real meaningful to me because I felt like they cared about me even though they didn't know me. They shared Christ's love with a stranger. I realized 
that there there could be a future. There could be a future, and all I had to do was pray to God and trust Him. I prayed for a family, of course. God tugged on the heartstrings of a man and woman in the United States who had just recently adopted two kids. When my parents saw the picture of an orphan girl, they just felt this God's overwhelmingly speaking to them and telling them the answer to their question. And their question was, why do we feel um, so passionate about this child? And God gave them only one clear answer, and that was because you're her parents. They adopted me, and I've lived with my family for eight years now. I always wanted to go overseas or go wherever in order to deliver this box to your child just like someone delivered it to me. When I unpack the boxes or hand out the booklets, there's just this power, overwhelming power, that I know each one of them will uh, flourish. Each shoebox will flourish someday. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be in 10 years, 50 years from now. But um, we're planting seeds with each shoebox, and I'm excited about that. You know, just now looking at the girls, I'm thinking I was the same age when I received my shoebox. I wonder what they're thinking about their future, you know? If they know that this box just might change their life completely. The box meant so much that I'm sharing about it now. It made such an impact in my life that, you know, I feel like it's blooming right now, this time of my life. These kids need hope and love just like any other kids in the world, and I'm just so thankful to be able to be here and be a part of giving them joy. Look how excited they are. A box is not just a box. One box equals one child, equals one life, equals one salvation. The more boxes we can do, the more children we can reach, the more salvations could be made through putting together another shoebox. My name is Jeline and I grew up in one of the smallest islands among the thousands of islands of the Philippines. I grew up in an area close to a dump site. I remember my dad losing his job. I often watched my younger siblings and skip school so my mom could go to the dump site and look for things that she can sell to buy us food. I remember my dad build um, he built a house, we call it a house, because that's the house that we live. It's made of cardboard. Because of our situation, I've never received a gift as a kid. They couldn't even afford to buy food for us, let alone gifts for birthdays and Christmas. So my sister started um, going to this church nearby. I remember I went after her one time and the pastor in that church invited me to come help them. I happened to help out the people handed out shoebox to the kids in the neighborhood, including my sister. Every time I hand shoebox to the kids, there's a glimpse in my heart that I hope I can get one too. Little did I know towards the end, a lady came up to me and gave me the extra shoebox. I just felt so loved. Everything on the shoebox were very special to me.
So it was the first gift I've ever received. And it was around Christmas. And seeing new items like notebooks and pencils, it was amazing. Now my life is different. I am forever grateful and blessed to be able to pack a shoebox with my husband and my girls. The feeling of giving back and knowing that this box represents a face of a child is amazing. Thank you for packing a shoebox. I want you to think of a time in your life, an event, uh, a happy time, perhaps a sad time, but just a time in your life that had a huge impact on your life. So much so that you will rarely ever forget that event or that day. I have a few, and... This is one I've shared. You may have heard this before. You'll probably hear it again. But this is, uh, this is one of the best. I was a kid. No, I already forgot what I was. I was a boy uh, in school. A 10th grade. There you go. It was the summer of my 10th grade year. Yeah, sound like a kid. Yes, thank you, Alex. <clears throat> he said he wasn't going to preach, but there he goes. So... Uh, and uh, if I get parts of the story wrong, Mom, just you come up and correct me. And I got, uh, I was at camp. I went to a Christian school and I was at camp. It was in uh, June, July. And uh, I got a message that I needed to call home. And uh, back in those days, we didn't have cell phones. Um, and there wasn't actually even a phone at the camp. So I got into a car with uh, Bob Bird, who drove me into town. This was, uh, we were at Chico Camp, and we went into wherever, Bunky or wherever the closest town was. Went to a filling station, and I went to a pay phone, okay, which is a phone that is like on a wall. It's black. It has a metal handle with a receiver. It doesn't look like a box. It's like a phone, okay? And... Um, <clears throat> And I had to go in my wallet and use a calling card, okay, which again, you probably don't know what that is, but it was an AT&T calling card that I could push the numbers. I couldn't speak to it, say, you know, hey, phone, call mom. It doesn't do that. So I had to put the phone number into the phone and call, and I talked to my, I guess my mom or my dad, I don't remember who I talked to, and they told me the story that my mom's sister and uh, her kids and my grandfather and grandmother were in a really horrible, horrible accident. And uh, they were leaving to go to Massachusetts to be with them. And uh, I don't remember if I had the option to go or not, but I, I stayed, um, which isn't really relevant to the story, but uh, to make a very long, detailed, and kind of sad story short, uh, my mom and dad brought home a little baby girl, Catherine, and a and Michael. There are cousins who was five, five or six, 
four or five, somewhere in that range. And they came home to stay with us for a while, while my aunt and everybody dealt with uh, <clears throat> my other cousin, Donald, who was, uh, there was a fire, he was burned in the fire. And they came and stayed with us. So uh, this was the summer, and uh, so we started into school. My parents sacrificed and sent my sister and I to a private school, Christian school, and little Donald came to school with us as well. Christmas time came forward, and my mom and dad sat us down, my sister and I, and uh, gave us the proverbial speech every year that uh, this Christmas, this Christmas, because, you know, your two cousins are here, my mom was working, she wasn't working anymore, so we were just, uh, my dad was the only one providing finances for us, and uh, they were telling us that because of this, Christmas would be, we would have a lot of gifts, I don't guess. I was already kind of used to that because my sister, when she was born, she was doted on way more than I was, and she got all the gifts. Uh, there was Christmas, and my parents even forgot that I was there, so I was kind of used to that. So she's not here, but I would say that if she was. Um, but but no. So they were just preparing us that Christmas was going to be slim, and that was okay. I mean, that was okay, and uh, so we had. We were prepared for that. And, and my mom and dad were being completely and totally sincere in uh, what they said. So at our house over in Baton Rouge, we had a living room that was off the, off the dining room, and it had double doors that closed, double folding doors, like closet doors, that folded up so that you could block off the living room. And every year, uh, the living room would be blocked off. So w- when we woke up in the morning, we could not enter into the living room where all the Christmas things were. Now, I, I wondered, and I, I never tried it out, I wondered if my, my parents ever booby-trapped the door so that they would know if we went in. But the older I got, I realized my parents aren't that smart. They wouldn't figure that out. So, And now Christmas will be slim for me this year. <laughs> so, no, just kidding. Just kidding. So, uh, the, the moment arrived, and uh, my mom or my father, they would go into the living room before us, turn all the Christmas lights on and everything, just to make it fancy and special and mystical and magical and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, so my sister and I were there, and my parents and Michael and little Catherine, she was, she was just a young child then. And uh, we entered into the room, again, expecting there to be a few presents for, for all of us. This is a true story. My mom's here, so she could tell you that I'm not lying. The living room was literally filled. Literally filled with gifts. Beyond my imagination. I could see it in my mind's eye right now. And this has been 37-ish years ago. What had happened is that people from our church and our neighbors' churches and other people knew of the situation. And I, have, I don't even know, I don't even know if I've asked. I have no idea how they came to our house or how they got into our house without us even knowing. But it was full, and it was the most amazing Christmas that we had ever had. And it has had an impact on my life even to this day to share that story. What an amazing thing that God did for our family. I like to share that. What about that impactful story in your life? 
What was that one time that something happened that was such a wow moment or even, even a sorrowful moment or a tragic moment that you will never, ever forget? And it's a story that is seared into your mind. And, and even though they may be a happy time or a sad time, you're compelled at times to share that story at an appropriate time so that that story that had an impact on you can have an impact on another person. Think of that story right now. Let me ask you this question. Who, now that I've shared that story, who noticed the common thread in these videos between each of the children turned into ladies shared? What was the common thing that happened in those stories? You may answer out loud. The life changed. They, they were recipients. They felt loved. They gave back. They gave back. They had an impact on their life, an encounter with the living Savior by opening up a simple box. And what they, those videos didn't show that in those boxes are included a Bible in their language and a discipleship book. And because of that impact, they had an encounter with Jesus Christ and he came into their lives and he changed them and it will affect them forever to the point that they are doing the same thing, the same thing. Paul tells us in Romans 6, 23, for the wages, the penalty of our sin is death, comma, conjunction, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are bound and destined for a devil's hell. But Jesus Christ came in and provided for us the greatest gift that the world has ever known. And for those of us who are in here today, if you've received that gift, you've taken that gift that you didn't deserve, that you didn't earn, that you didn't purchase and receive him into your life, that was the most impactful day that changed your destiny, your history for the rest of your life. It is our responsibility to share with the world the day that impact came into our lives. Just like, well, Brother Frank, you don't know, you don't know my situation. You don't know what things were like. The story tells about a girl in an orphanage. God changed her life. She's telling her story and changing the world. We saw a story about a girl who lived in a cardboard house, whose family dug through garbage. She met Jesus and impacted her life, and now her life has changed. She's sharing with everybody she comes in contact with that story saw a story of a girl in an orphanage that couldn't even have, they didn't have window coverings to cover their windows. And she has a story to tell to the nations. What is, our, what is your story? What is the story that you have to share? 
If you haven't figured out by now that the DNA of Live Oak Baptist Church is to share our stories, you have missed it, my friend. And if you're one of our guests today, let me make it very, very clear. To be part of Live Oak Baptist Church is to be part of a body of believers that wants to touch our community and the world for Jesus Christ. We're not here just to sit in our seats and just to receive the word of God. We're here to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Allow me to read that passage of scripture again from the message version. This is just a this is just an interpretation by Mr. Eugene, but he puts it really, really neat. So we're going back to Matthew chapter five. He puts it this way. Let me tell you why, why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose that saltiness, how will people taste God or how people taste godliness? If you lost or you've lost your usefulness and you will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on the hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm going to put you on a light stand. And now that I've put you on a light stand, I'm going to put you on a hilltop uh, with a light stand, and you will shine. Oh, I don't know. Keep open the house. Be generous with your lives. Be open up to others. You'll prompt people to open up to God the God of this generous heaven. And we're not going to put children under buckets. We're not going to put our light underneath a bucket. Yeah, but God says, but God says we are here for a single purpose. And that purpose is to let the love and the light of God to shine. There's no other reason for our existence. No other reason. We're not here to work every day even though we have to work every day. We're not here to watch uh, LSU have an unbelievable season, even though LSU is having an unbelievable season. Uh, we're, not, we're, we're not here for it. We are here to spread the truth of God each and every day of our lives. I'm not going to hide you under a bucket. Tonight, perhaps, <laughs> since you are trying to take over the service. You said you weren't preaching, my friend. So next year, I know what the illustration is going to be. So are you doing that? Are you salt? Are you light? Are you keeping your light hidden to yourself? Are you sharing it with others like God has asked us to do? So hopefully nearby you right now is a Operation Christmas Child box. If you don't have one, there's some right up here. There's, they're all over the place on the on the, uh, in the pews or whatever. I want you to grab one of those boxes and just hold it in your hand. And we're going to take a few moments to pray for them. We're not going to drop them on the floor. But you love children. They are awesome. Last Sunday night, I don't remember if I told you all this, but last Sunday night, our church packed 220 boxes 
Uh, one of our adult Sunday school classes packed 60 boxes all by themselves. So we have about 280 boxes. And I know a few came in this morning. We'll get a final count when we bring them to their distribution point next week. So everybody have a box? All right. I'm going to invite us to uh, close our eyes. Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. While you're holding that box, I'm going to invite you just to pray very specifically about a few things. First, uh, I want you to pray that the box that you hold in your hand will uh, get safely to its destination. Pray that all the postage comes in that's needed, all the airplanes, all the cargo vessels, uh, that they'll get through customs, that there'll be no international incidents, that they'll be able to get through um, the countries that they're supposed to go to. Just pray silent in your heart that the box that you hold in your hands will do that. Now pray for those who will be delivering these boxes, that they'll be safe, that nothing will happen to them. Some of these boxes will be delivered by truck, so they'll be truck drivers. Some of them will be carried on the backs of men uh, in big sacks and big nets carried up into the mountains. Some will be carried on, on boats, uh, on animals, on donkeys, on elephants, on all different types of uh, carts and things like that to get to the villages. So pray for those people who will actually be bringing the boxes into these different areas. Pray that some of those countries that are uh, close to the gospel, that uh, Operation Christmas Child and Samaritan's Purse has been able to penetrate, will continue to be able to go into those uh, e uh, Southeast Asian countries just a little bit more, into India, into parts of the Middle East, that they'll be able to get in there safely to those children. Pray for the pastors and the missionaries and the workers of the churches and the villages that these boxes will be delivered to. Pray for the child that will receive the box that's in your hand. The box that now has your DNA on it. Pray for that child that will open this box. Pray that the maybe there's an item in there, something that they were longing to get, that our wonderful, loving Father will send a box from Lavo Baptist Church in Watson, Louisiana, to wherever it goes, to a specific child who is looking and longing for that thing in this box. And pray that the love of Christ will penetrate their lives and that salvation will come to them and that it will change their life and that they'll bring it back to their parents, their grandparents, their brothers and sisters, 